whether you're in the building, whether you're on Zoom, it's fantastic to have you with us. Um, who here likes winning? Uh, quite a lot. Who here likes winning? Milo, I know you were in a climbing competition, weren't you, the other weekend? You sadly came third, but well done, because the others were insanely good, is what I think you said to me, wasn't it? <laughs> the others were insane good, um, but you competed. You went ahead, you went there not to come third, did you? You went there with the intention as a team to win, because we do like to win, don't we? We like to sometimes think we're superior, better than others. <laughs> we like it when we've got to that winning post and everyone else is trailing far behind us and we can look back with a sense of superiority thinking, yes, I'm the best. Yes, I'm the best. I'm the one who's got the prize. All you others are losers. <laughs> it's a bit of an evil laugh, isn't it? <laughs> <clears throat> but what were the passage we're looking at today? If, you wanna, if you've got Bibles, you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. It talks about race. It talks about pursuing the race to win. Um, so if you turn to it, let me just read this passage. This is our series in Corinthians. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize." Now, at school, um, like, I don't know if you, when you were at school, you had houses in your schools and you used to compete for different um, events. Some of it was obviously racing, some of it was sort of the physical stuff, some of it was sort of more the academic stuff, but you would race and you would compete to get points for your school, so for your house, and at the end of the year, your house would get, would get prizes. And <clears throat> I would compete in some of the running races, but I was never a long-distance runner, because I always just ran too fast and wore myself out. And I was never really a sprinter. So I could never quite get the power and the, the speed at the beginning. But I was reasonably good at the 200 and 400 meters. And often would get through to the final, the final of it, having had different heats and different heats. And, um, and I would often be ahead in the race at a certain point. And there was this one guy called Gavin, and, um, and I, would, I would be ahead, and, I'd be, and he would just pass me every time, every time, and, um, but I wanted to win, and so in my mind, I kept coming up with all these ideas, and they kept getting more and more elaborate, how I could get him out of the race, how could I force him out of the race, but I'm not quite sure that's what Paul's talking about here, is he? I'm not sure Paul is talking about competing to win a race at the expense of everybody else. Our series we, we, in, in Corinthians has been entitled Becoming Love. And on the face of it, competing to beat everyone else does not necessarily seem to be loving, does it? And Paul also talks about discipline in this, doesn't he? He talk, talks quite graphic language about beating his body, making it a slave. 
Now surely he can't be beating, he can't be talking about self-harm in this and every time we, we, we get wrong we've got to punish ourselves. I don't think that's what he's talking about, but he can come across like that if we're not careful. So I think it's important to understand what, what is the race that Paul is talking about here. What is the race that it's about? It's not about the selfish pursuit of glory, I don't think, at the expense of others. I believe it's about running the race of love. We, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at um, what Paul has been talking to the Corinthians about, about not tripping people up by um, <laughs> claiming your rights to do things. He's been talking about how to consider others. And, and, and in chapter 13 of Corinthians, which we'll go on to later, he's talking about a more excellent way of living, which he's talking about love. Paul is talking about here, I think, about running the race of love. He's been talking about showing love, not demanding rights, but living a sacrificial life for others. And this is the race that Paul is talking about us to, to, talking to us about today. <clears throat> Paul has been laying out, as we've been looking at, in various ways in which the Corinthian church, in their arrogance, think they've completed the race. They think, they've been thinking, we've got the spirit with us, we've got all these amazing things happening. We're there, we've arrived, we've actually got to the end of the race. And they, what, that's, what they've been doing is they've, been, they've not been considering others in this. And Paul here, I think he's writing a warning and an encouragement. He's writing a warning and an encouragement to the Corinthian church, but he's also writing a warning, I think, an encouragement to us. He's saying to, to the Corinthian church, keep running the race. Keep running the race. The race isn't over yet. You might think it is. You might think you've arrived. You might think you're the best. But actually, the race is still ongoing. And not only that, but actually, <clears throat> what's happened is the behavior you're exhibiting, the things you've been doing, the sexual immorality that's been going on in the church, they're, they're not considering others, they're demanding your rights to do what you want, not considering how others might view it and see it, not only says that you've not, not understood the race, but actually, you could even be disqualified from the race. Paul writes a warning here that the first thing to do is you could be disqualified. You think you've got there, but actually you may not because you actually didn't run the race the way you should be running it. And there's huge potential for being disqualified. Now, uh, about a month ago, there was a news story, wasn't there, about the, the British Olympic um, um, relay team. Now, they got silver medal in the Olympics back in August last year. They received their medals. They were on the podium. They'd come home thinking they'd won the medal, the silver medal. And then later, one of them was found to have a banned substance in their body. And the whole team was disqualified. They lost their medals. It was taken from them. Disqualification can be a terrible thing, can't it? You think you got there. You think you've arrived. <clears throat> only to find that actually, no, no, you haven't. You've actually been disqualified because what you've been doing in the race and beforehand has meant that actually, although you were competing, although you may have even actually won, you may have got to the end, there's massive potential for disqualification. And Paul has been writing a warning to the Corinthian church, this very warning to say, you think you've arrived, but actually you need to start examining yourselves. Over the last few verses in Corinthians, it talked about, do you not know? 
Paul's reminding them, do you not know that's not the way to do it? Do you not know this is how you should live? Surely if you, if you think you've got this knowledge and superiority, do you not know that actually you've not yet won the race? It's still going on. Do you not know that what you're exhibiting could even disqualify you for the race? <clears throat> Winning the race has become more important than how they run the race. And Paul wanted to continue to remind them, though, of what the prize was. Because back in chapter 6, in verse 9 to 11, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, we looked at a few weeks back, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Paul is reminding them that these things he'd been talking about, these things they've been seeing in the church could potentially disqualify them from the race. <clears throat> Paul wants to impress upon them, though, that there's a goal that is eternal in nature. And it's, in such val- it's of such value that it should affect the way they live and we live in the presence, in the present. Paul says in this passage we've been looking at, isn't he, that, they, that the athletes in a competition run for a, for a perishable crown, one that doesn't last, and actually you could lose it in the next competition. Someone else could take that crown from you. But he says as Christians, we're running a race of love that actually has an imperishable crown, an imperishable prize. It's eternal in nature. And as we run this race of love, we need to be reminding ourselves constantly of what the, the goal is. So when you, how, how do you disqualify yourself from a race? How do you disqualify yourself? Well, firstly, you could trip someone up. I often thought as Gavin kept run, running past me, I thought, you know what, I could stick my foot out. And that would stop him winning. <laughs> I could trip him up. Or we could be hypocritical. We can try and pretend to be something we're not. So the banned substances that athletes take, they can't compete on their own. They think, I must, I've got to be the best, therefore I've, I'm, I'm not the best myself. Therefore I've got to get some external help to make me the best. Something that's not part of me. Something that's um, <clears throat> like the performance-enhancing drugs. And so often we can see that, can't we? We can put on a show to say, yes, I am this person. And yet underneath, we're filled with anger, jealousy, hatred, disappointment against others. We can disqualify ourselves because we're not showing the love that we should be showing for others. Even in our very hearts, we can be doing that. So we can... We can trip others up. We can prevent people from running the race themselves so that we can be better and we can get there. It comes out of selfish ambition. We can try and puff ourselves up and make us something that we're not. And then what happens is when we look at it, we think, actually, no, we're not that person. We're not that. We can't compete. It's like putting on um, an incredible Hulk costume and then thinking, you know what? I can beat anybody only to find that actually there is someone far bigger than you who's going to whip your ass uh, in any fight that you're going to. And um, so that's just like, uh. but we can do that to ourselves, can't we? We can pretend that we're something else. We can think we're something else. 
What had happened in the Corinthian church? They'd thought they were the top spiritual people, um, but they hadn't. Their, their behavior, what they did, how they acted towards others, how they considered themselves better than others had shown that they had not understood the race, that were disqualifying themselves from the race. And the other thing that we can do when we, about disqualifications, we can self-disqualify. We can disqualify ourselves. We can think, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for this race. Look at everyone else. They're so much better than I am. And what happens is we can disqualify ourselves if we're not careful. And that, I think, is one of the... What's the word I'm looking for? The biggest deceit that the enemy would throw at us from preventing you running the race of love and becoming like Jesus. Because you can look around at others and think, you know what, I'm not as good as them. I can disqualify myself. And what happens is then we can get into that cycle, aren't we, of, of self-punishment, if you like, whether it's mental or it can be physical. And I was, I was just praying that, preparing this week, just that sense of, so many people, I think, can be caught up in this cycle of, I'm not good enough. Whether it's their physical appearance, whether it's their mental ability, whether it's their physical ability, people just think, I'm just not good enough. And they look at themselves and they think, I'm going to harm myself. I'm not good enough. Come on, you can be better. And you get into this vicious cycle, don't you? Thinking, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you end up in a place of self-disqualification. Even almost of self-harm. You don't even enter the race. You don't even get to the point where you're in it. Because you just think, I'm just not good enough. And this is where the gospel is so important, isn't it? This is where the good news of Jesus comes in. The Bible tells a story of, of one of Jesus' followers called Thomas, who we often refer to as Thomas the Doubter. <coughs> he disqualified himself from believing in Jesus. When the others came to him and said, We've seen Jesus, he's alive, he's been raised from the dead. You know he was put in the tomb, but he's alive now. We've seen it. He says, no, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it until I see the wounds in his hands and I can touch his side. And when he was shown these and when he could touch them, when he saw the wounds that Jesus had suffered, he was set free from his doubt and disqualification. He believed. And Jesus, the gospel tells us, bears the physical pain and scars for our disqualification from running the race of God. Sin in our lives is the thing that initially disqualifies us from running the race of God. We don't, we're not even able to start, the gospel tells us, running this race of love without Jesus setting us free, without Jesus putting us on the starting line. And he does that through bearing our pain bearing our sacrifice, bearing our wounds. We don't need to punish ourselves because Jesus has borne the punishment for our sin and shame. So when we, when we look at ourselves and think, we're not good enough, I'm not good enough, we look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I'm not good enough, but because you have come, you have borne the pain, you've borne the scars for me, you've borne my shame, you've borne my inadequacies, <laughs> You've borne my failures to run the race of God. 
when we look at Jesus, when we see the scars that have been on his body, we see them and say, Jesus, you've borne the scars for us. You've borne that for me. You have qualified me to start the race. You have qualified me to be in the race from the beginning. So when we think we've been disqualified, we need to look again to Jesus and say, Jesus, no, you have qualified me for the race. I'm in it. I'm in it. I may not be like other people, but you've called me to do this. You've called me to run my race. You've called me to run my race of love in this, in worship of God, in love of God, in love for, for others. Jesus qualifies us to start the race. Well, we've disqualified ourselves, maybe. Jesus comes and, quali- and, and qualifies us again. I just want to just maybe leave that with you for a moment. You may be thinking that I've, I've been out of the race for a while. I've been out of this, um, I've been out of the church. I've been out of connecting with Christians because they don't know what I'm like. I've just been living this life and I'm punishing myself all the time, thinking I'm not good enough. And the Holy Spirit would come and remind us today, don't look at, yeah, don't look at yourself, look at Jesus. Look at the wind he's paid. You are qualified. That song we sang at the end of that first part of worship was, I am a child of God, that's who you say I am. You may not think you're a child of God, but Jesus makes you a child of God. Belief and trust and following him. Being enabled by the Holy Spirit to be born again into the family of God qualifies us to be running this race. So there's a warning, Paul writes, don't be disqualified. Don't slip back into patterns of behavior that you were like that could disqualify you again from running the race because you're already in it. Jesus has set you free. You're already in the race. So Paul is saying the race isn't over yet. So you may think I've been warning you about all this stuff. I've been telling you about it. I've been saying all this thing that's been going on, it really isn't good. You need to sort it out. He says the race is not actually over yet. The race is not over. You're still in the race. There's still time to turn around and, and get back into it. And that's where the encouragement comes from. I entitled this as keep running the race. We know we haven't got there until Jesus comes again. We know we're continually running this race, trying to live out our life following Jesus with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to keep our eyes on the prize And what Paul says to do this, we need to keep focused and disciplined. There is a focus. There is a discipline. Running a race requires focus, doesn't it? Running a race requires discipline. And Milo, with your climbing, that climbing competition, you didn't go just on Sunday thinking, you know what, I've not done any climbing ever in my whole life, but I can go and I can win this. I can beat everyone else. As I, as, I, as I climb the, com- the competition that's been set before me. We know that's not the case, don't we? We know that to win a race, it, it requires focus and discipline. Paul writes in this passage we've been looking at, he says, I don't run about aimlessly. I don't run about, I don't beat the air like flailing my arms, just aimlessly. I don't run about aimlessly. I have a person of focus. For Paul, it was, he knew his calling was to bring the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles, to bring this gospel that would qualify people to be in, in, in the, love, the love of race, the race of love. He brings 
that message, that's his calling. He doesn't want, he says, I don't want my teaching to be disqualified by the way I act, by the way I might behave, by the words I say. So I am focused, I am disciplined. And he, he applies this image, doesn't he, of, of, of no, I, I don't beat the air, I beat my body, I make it a slave, um, which is quite strong language. But he's not talking about literally physically harming himself, he's talking about discipline. That's what he's talking about, being disciplined. So if we're to run the race, keep on running the race, we need to keep focused. We need to keep disciplining or practicing self-discipline in the things that keep us in the race. You run a race, don't you? you there are rules. There's an end point. There's the, the, the end line of the race. That's where we're going to. We don't run off aimlessly. I don't know if you've ever been up to Wimbledon Common and where they have the windmill open day. They have this great competition called the Wacky Dog Show, which always ends up with a big race of all the dogs that are there. Can you imagine the chaos? It is absolutely bonkers. So there, there, there's a start line, there's a finish line. Hardly any of the dogs actually end up at the finish line. They all start at the start line, but they're just all over the place. They just go, and it's like... Um, but, but Paul's saying, no, you need to keep a focus on, on the end. And I love it, because what actually happens, I think, in that race is that they're, they're there, if they've got two owners, they're fortunate to have two owners there, one will be at the start, one will be at the end. And the one at the end is saying, come on, come on, you can do it, I'm over here, come on. Trying to maintain the focus of the dog on where to go. And that's, that's what we need to have as, as Christians. If we're to run this race of love, if we're to keep in it, we need to be reminding ourselves of the focus. The focus is Jesus. Jesus is, is, is literally at the start line. He's enabled us to get into the race in the first place through justifying us before God. But he's also at the end. He is is the king of heaven it says Jesus didn't just die for our sins and that was it qualified us to get us in the race it says he's gone ahead of us that song talks about in my father's house there are many rooms and the, and the passage in the bible talks about Jesus going ahead and he says I'm going to come back and bring you there I'm going ahead to prepare a room for you and Jesus has gone ahead he is at the finish line and he is calling us on so our, our starting point is Jesus and our focus at the end is Jesus raised to life seated in all authority and he's calling us on. But he doesn't just call us on. It's not just that he, he provides someone with us in the race, and that's the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been, you know, as elders, as we've been praying, we've been feeling about the, the Holy Spirit being in us and with us. That's why we're doing this together, looking at the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is running with us. The Holy Spirit is coming alongside us and running with us. We just started the Winter Paralympics, haven't we, this week? And uh, I think Britain got another medal this morning, a gold medal, I think. Um, but it's, and it's someone who's partially sighted in the seeing. Um, now, they couldn't do that without someone with them. Now, the person who got the gold medal is the one who's competing, but there's somebody with them, alongside them, encouraging them, going with them. The Bible talks about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And I love that in terms of the picture of a race. There's a pace setter in a race, isn't there? that keeps us on track. You've ever, I, I say I wasn't very good at long distance running, but often I believe in long distance running, you can have a pace setter who runs with you. They're with you. Their aim is not to win, their aim is to help you win. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Jesus says, I'm, I'm, I'm going ahead of you, yes, 
but I'm not going to leave you alone in this race. I'm not going to leave you alone to fumble around and run aimlessly in different directions. I'm sending my Holy Spirit to be with you, to be with you, to be this pace setter that comes alongside you. Keep in step with my Holy Spirit. Keep in step with me along this race. So what we may need to focus on may be different for each of us. There may be different things in our lives that we need to be disciplined in. There may be things in our life that we need to give up to compete. Because if you're, you're you know, running a race, competing in any sport, it requires time, requires effort. That means you can't do other things. And so we have to focus on what's important to help us in this race of love. And that's what Paul's been encouraging the the Corinthian church about. What is it that we need to focus on? As I said, there may be individual things in your lives that you need to think, you know what, I need to give this up to focus on this race of love. Or I need to pick this thing up if I need to compete and and run this race. But I think there are certain things. Firstly, the common probably towards our attitude is the first thing. And Paul writes to the Philippian church, he says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being, same, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but the interests of of others. There's an attitude here, isn't it, in the race of love. If you're you're running this race, it's about having others, considering others better than yourselves. Don't look to your own interests, but look to the interests of others. How can you help somebody in this race? How can you help somebody um, get back on track? How can you help somebody um, pick up something that's going to help them in their walk with Jesus in this race. Then there's our attitude, but also our actions. Paul writes to the Roman church in chapter 12, he says, let love be genuine. So let's not pretend to be something we're not. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour. So yes, we're to compete, but not for our own honour, for the honour of others. Do not be slothful in zeal. That's talking about laziness, really, in pursuing, pursuing your goal of, of following Jesus. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his heads. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
So there's actions there. It's a great list. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 21. Well, I would suggest go away, write that down. Go away and read it again. Maybe each morning. I love what Matt said at the end of last week. is his little checklist of what he has before he leaves the house. I can't remember what it was, but I remember the last thing that you always left with, <laughs> which was love. So every time he went and left the house, although I was a bit concerned, Matt, that you actually took love with you at the house. But actually, it was when you went outside there was love and not inside the house. So <laughs> that's just a... But I trust that you are, yeah. <laughs> but that whole thing of let's be thinking, this list is a wonderful thing to be looking at. It's, it's something we can do, practical. This is our attitude, considering others, considering the interests of others. How does that work? Yeah, just ask about them. How are they doing? Take an interest in what they're interested in. But also there's some very practical things that we can do that actually show and demonstrate that we are in the race, the race of love towards others, bringing the good news of Jesus. I started um, running during lockdown, believe it or not. I'm not a runner, okay? Qualify that. I'm not a runner. Um, But I started running during lockdown. And... At points, it did look as if I was running about aimlessly, <laughs> okay? <laughs> if you saw me, it was like, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's definitely not a runner. But it wasn't aimless. Um, I had, a, I had a, a dream, a vision. It wasn't to do with Gavin. We've give, forgiven Gavin. He's gone in the past. Um, but I had, there's a certain distance I wanted to get to. It wasn't necessarily a, a, a distance in miles or kilometres, but it was sort of like running out my house up onto Wimbledon Common and back home again. Um, that was, I guess, um, that was my focus. Um, so that meant I didn't run the opposite direction. I always ran the same way because that was the distance I wanted to get to. And it, I started, I wasn't running. I might have started, like, yeah, around the first corner, oh, man. My feet ache, my, my, I'm out of breath. Um, but I kept going. I walked, then I jogged a bit more, then I walked and jogged a bit more. Um, and that, you know, that went on for a while. And um, it got to the point where, yes, I could, at a certain speed, get round the whole distance. That was my target, and, and I got to that. Um, but since lockdown, things, everything's opened up again, hasn't it? There's been more opportunities. Other things have crowded in. I probably couldn't get a quarter of the distance that I was up to. So if I started running again, I, I couldn't get back into that place of, I've, I've done this, I'm going to start, and I can run that same distance again. I realized if I need to get back into that, I need to start disciplining myself again. I need to start giving certain things up that I've ever let, let crowd in. I'm not saying I'm going to do that, by the way. I'm not saying I'm getting back into that. Um, but that would, be, that would be the case, wouldn't it? But what it reminded me is that sometimes it's so easy to give up. That's the thing. And I think out of this morning, Paul, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, don't give up. Don't give up. Yes, there are certain things that at the end may, you may think disqualify you. But you know what? If you get back in, into the race, if you start to think, no, these are the things I need to give up, I need to focus again on following Jesus, then I can get back in the race. 
because the race isn't finished yet. So I may feel disqualified. I may feel, you may feel this morning that something in your life that, you, that has maybe still ongoing, there's something in your life that is dis, you think is disqualifying you from the race. You're here in, in body, as it were, but you're just in agony the whole time thinking, I, I, can't, I shouldn't really be here. I look, I, I'm looking the perfect part, but I'm not inside. There's stuff going on you don't know about. And I'm disqualifying myself. There's an encouragement here. No, the race isn't over yet. The Bible talks about repenting and moving on. The Holy Spirit wants to come and minister to you this morning and, and say, repent. It's okay, Jesus has died for you. Look at the wounds again on his hands. Look at, his, look at the sacrifice on the cross for you. He's done this. You're not disqualified. Get back in the race. There's an encouragement there. But also I think there's an encouragement for all of us to keep running that race. You know what? To keep getting better. How do you react when you don't win? That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Do you, do you give up? Do you give up? I think that's why there's sometimes the, the Paralympics, the Winter Paralympics are such an inspiration, aren't they? Because on the face of it, people, you think people can't compete. There's some form of disability that's allowing them to compete, but they don't do that. They concentrate and they focus. And they compete. They don't allow their disqualification. They don't, sorry, they don't allow what could apparently be a disqualification, disqualifies them. They get back in, they train, they get others to help them. So he's going to ask the man to come up. So we can be tempted to give up. And I think, Paul, the encouragement this morning, don't give up. The Holy Spirit is with us. Let's not give up, but let's say, no, I'm not going to give up. I need to look at how I can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, be in this race of love and keep running this race of love. I didn't murder the guy who always beat me in the race. I didn't just give up and think there's no point in starting the race because he's always going to beat me. I practiced. I committed to each race. I never won. I never would. As I said, he was, just, he was bigger. He had longer legs. I mean, he was twice the height of anybody else. His legs were twice as long as anybody else's. So I, I, there was no way anyone would ever beat him. <laughs> from our age but I did get better I didn't give up and I got better and the Holy Spirit is the same to us don't give up come on we can be in this together in our first week of prayer and fasting apart from the temptation on the second day to just give up and stuff my face I'd really got out of the habit of praying I don't know why I think it was a mixture of lack of discipline, so not praying. I also think there's a bit of lack of faith that my prayers weren't any good, didn't seem to be seeing any answers. And so that first week, I felt, I felt it was actually the prompting of the Holy Spirit to say, during this week, when you should be eating, when you're normally watching stuff on Netflix or when you're looking at other things, why not read a book on prayer? And so I did. I got a book on how to pray. It seemed like a good thing. 
by Pete Gregg, who's 24, who oversees the 24-7 prayer movement. So if you're going to get a book on prayer, you want to get one from who knows what he's doing. And so since then, every week of prayer and fasting, I've made a, a commitment to mainly read a book on prayer. So each time we read a different book, then we go back to the same book, read a few different chapters. And since then, I've, I've just loved praying, getting back into it. Now, I'm not, I'm not praying as much as I'd like to. I don't think we, anyone prays as much as we like to. But it was just the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Here's an opportunity. We can take it. And with the help of others around us, with this pace set of the Holy Spirit running with us, with Jesus at the start line, Jesus at the finish line, the Holy Spirit with us, let's be reminded we're in this race. We're running the race of love. And let's not forget that the Holy Spirit is with us. So let's just stand as we worship. Just going to pray for us. Holy Spirit, would you come and, and fill us again with your presence? Fill us, Lord, with the, with the love of God, it says. It says, you pour the love of God into our hearts. <clears throat> would we know today that we're loved by God? But also, would we, would we know today the love of God for others? Would that be our motivation, Holy Spirit? Would you be leading us on in this race of love? Helping us to never give up. Reminding us to keep running this race. Reminding us that we've been qualified to be in this race because of Jesus and encouraging us to run it.